0: Your host, Mike May. Welcome in, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the temporary introduction while we wait for Stephen to whip us up a new one. That introduction is featuring a very special crowd sound from 2006 when the Canes won the Stanley Cup and an intro lead in from my beautiful wife, Miss Delaney. So, Thank you to Delaney for helping out. With that being said, we're going to jump back into our Friday grind. Today is February 9th. We're at the 50 game point in the season for the Carolina Hurricanes, who currently sit 29, 16, and 5, with 63 points. Good enough for second in the Metro and fourth in the East We're going to quickly touch on the games that have happened since our last episode. The first game being Tuesday, February 6th at home against the Canucks. Now we talked about it on the last episode. The Canucks make a big trade to go out and acquire Elias Lindholm. This is his introduction into the lineup for the Canucks or his debut. And he was a major factor in the game. Game starts off, no Anderson and Fetch for Carolina, but Martinuk opens the scoring in the first period with a very nice shorthanded goal. Martinuk has been chipping in offensively and that's the kind of depth scoring this team needs to be successful. That being said, Elias Lindholm answers in the first with a power play goal. That is a net front tip. Move into the second period. Elias Lindholm scores a power play goal. That is a net front tip and to be honest, all the momentum is running away from the hurricanes at this point, Vancouver has been the better team. There's no doubt about that. Things are starting to trend in the wrong direction. The hurricanes get a power play late in the second and none other than Sebastian Ajo is able to score a fantastic power play goal to bring the team's level two to two leading into the third. Now, with that being said, we haven't seen a five-on-five goal yet at this point. It's been a, te- a game that's been dominated by special teams, and the Canes are hanging on, not playing their best hockey, missing some key players, but they're still in the game. That's a sign of a high-caliber team. When you when you don't have it, yet you're still battling these high-caliber teams that the Canucks are this year. However, simple mistakes, little brain slip-ups can be the difference in a game. And that is the case for Kachetkov in this game. He goes out to try to play a puck, misjudges it, and then takes his time getting back into the net, and it is just a sitter out front for a tap-in goal, I believe by JT Miller, that leads to 3-2 to lead for the Canucks. The Canes try to battle back in. They are unsuccessful leading to a regulation loss three to two against Canucks. I think when we look at the game, we can agree the Canucks were the better team, but the Hurricanes certainly didn't bring their a game. So there is encouragement in a loss when you know that you didn't play good enough. And hopefully as the team gets healthier and back into the swing of things, that's not a result that would carry into the future. But it was a good challenge right out of the all-star break. Fast forward to Thursday, yesterday, February 8th. Carolina is home against the Colorado Avalanche. Now this time, once again, they don't have Anderson and Fetch, but you can now add, add Pesci into that mix as he is out with an illness. So very shorthanded against a very talented Colorado team. With that being said, we saw one of, if not the greatest performance from Martin Natchez as a hurricane. He was able to get a natural hat trick in the first period. That's not something you're going to see very often, and it was extremely impressive. He is playing with a ton of confidence. He's getting to the right areas on the ice. He's finishing his opportunities. That is great news for the Hurricanes. We've talked about Natchez as being somebody that's been on and off the trade board for the Hurricanes for a long, long time. He's always been a conversation piece out in the the interwebs and what may be. And, you know, if they are a team looking to trade him, if the Canes think that they're better off moving Natchez, well, his value is certainly going up right now. If they are hoping to hang on to him and extend him in the offseason, as a restricted free agent, to play through hopefully five, six, seven, eight years if they do an extension, then you have to like what you see. We know that Natchez has high-end talent. We know that it's kind of been streaky and when it shows up. But to say that we start off 3-0 against Colorado, great start to the game. We're getting into the last minute of the game, or period here, excuse me, and the Canes probably let in a soft one. Parise scores backdoor. Probably wasn't played the best defensively. Probably is a save you could get from Kochetkov. Not going to, you know, you can live with it up 3-1. Not ideal, but not the best goal. Now the issue comes in is just within the next 30 seconds, Kochetkov has a massive error. A dump in from outside the blue line ends up going over his head off the crossbar and in the goal. So, in a matter of a minute, you've now seen a swing of an electric start by the Hurricanes, 3 2, end of the second period. And as a result, Kachekov gets pulled. Now, Rod isn't a guy that likes to pull his goalies in these situations. It's rare you see it, but when you have back-to-back games with massive errors that are literally mental gaps in play, you can understand why Rod thought it was necessary to take out Kuchekov. This is a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, and if he is going to be the 1B to whoever ends up being the 1A on this run, or if he's going to be the 1A, then you have to realize you can't ever disconnect from the game so Rod pulls him. Ronta comes in to start the second. Bunting's able to add another goal in the second period. Canes are now up 4-2. We go into intermission. Everything is good again. 4-2 lead. Ronta's playing well. Start of the third rolls around. And guess who's back in that? Kochekov. During that period, Ronta gets hurt. So now... You've got a guy who got taken out of the game for having a mental lapse in consecutive games, sits and watches a period, but gets to jump right back in at the start of the third period. And I've argued that I don't think anything could have been better for Kachekov. He gets a reset. He sits for a period, but instead of having to wait a couple games to play or a couple nights to play, he gets to come right back into the third and dial in. He did his job. He was serviceable, and Jarvis finishes it off to make it a 5-2 win for the Hurricanes. Kochekov does his job. We're happy with how he plays the third period, but the big pieces of the game are Turbo with four assists, he was electric, creating plays. He's looked great this season. Happy to see it. Natus with the hat trick out there providing the scoring jump that the Hurricanes need. And then in Pesci's absence, we see a fantastic performance from Dmitry Orlov. I've been saying it all season. You're watching it slowly happen in front of your eyes. He's getting better. He's getting more comfortable in the system. He's getting better chemistry with his teammates. And you can see why the Canes were willing to throw so much money at him over a two-year period, because he is a great fit for the Hurricanes. He can play on that second pair right away if needed. So the the o- overall view of that game is you're you're happy about those pieces. You're happy about the way Turbo is playing, Nature's is playing, Orlov is playing. You get kind of a wake up moment for Kachetkov, and hopefully he settles in and realizes that you know if he wants to take his chance at being a starting goalie, you can't let a guy like Ronta knock on the door. You can't let a guy like Spencer Martin knock on the door. You got to slam that door in their face and prove that you are a starting caliber NHL goaltender. And that kind of leads us into, so that's where we're at. But what, what do the Canes need? We, we've gone over it multiple episodes. Now we've talked about goalie. We've talked about all these things. And the reality of the goalie situation is it's a little bit fluid until we get a better idea of what Freddie Anderson's status is going to be for the remainder of the season. Hopefully we'll get more clarity on that in the next week or two, but for now, Focusing on the goaltending position doesn't seem like the best idea for me. If you're trying to maximize your assets, you're not going to go ahead and move on and grab another goalie before you know what you can get from Freddie this season. So we're going to touch on some moves that might make sense for the Hurricanes. Um, Last episode, we talked about the Lindholm trade. We mentioned how the next two guys up at center – would be a Monahan and a Henrique. Well, right after the episode was released, we got a Monahan trade. Montreal sent Sean Monahan to Winnipeg for a 2024 first-round pick and a 2027 third-round pick, which is conditional. The condition of that is Montreal receives the pick if Winnipeg wins the 2024 Stanley Cup. Now, for me personally... I'm all in on adding in a conditional pick that's based on you winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, if you win, that means the player you acquired worked out way better than you expected. A 2027 20, third, you can eat that all day. But we've been talking about how these trades shift the market for values of other players that the Canes might look to add. We talked about how the Lindholm trade certainly brought up the value of a Monahan. And of a Henrique. And we saw that. If you told Montreal fans at the beginning of the season that they would get a 2024 first and a conditional 2027 third round pick for Sean Monaghan, they'd be blown out of the water. I can tell you that right now. And Henrique, who's arguably the better of the two, granted he is quite a bit older, is going to command a similar trade value. I would think that you're now looking at a 2024 first-round pick and maybe a conditional pick on top of that um, that you might not have the luck of having it be a only if we win the Stanley Cup. With that being said, I'm going to dive into kind of a list of players that there's either been rumors on, they've been linked wherever, or guys that I think the Canes might want to target going into now and the trade deadline we've talked about henrik multiple times we know what henrik is at 34 years of age he's still a guy that produces offensively he is high end in the face off dot he would immediately plug in as the canes two center like i mentioned with the monahan trade that price is now a first round pick plus the canes generally don't like giving up their picks they're more in line with trading prospects and such but that is a guy that the canes will be interested in he's on the last year of his deal 5.825 million and is probably one of the more realistic acquisitions the canes can make canes can make with that being said there's going to be a lot of interest in henrique services which may push this deal potential deal further and further down the line as we get closer to the trade deadline a lot of these teams may be looking to potentially get bidding wars going for a guy like Henrique. so we will see how Anaheim handles that another player that I really like as a Canes match out in Anaheim is Frank Vetrano he's got two years left on his contract 3.65 million a year he's a little bit like a bunting A little more physical than bunting but he's got the ability to score not the biggest guy under six foot probably close to 200 pounds but he plays with a ton of grit he has offensive upside there's no doubt about it he's he has 36 points through 50 games this year which for him is tracking to be career high numbers but he's certainly a guy that can immediately plug into your middle six, provide depth scoring, provide a physical edge that is beneficial in the playoffs. So that's another guy out of Anaheim I would look to keep an eye on as, as potential winger depth as we get closer to the playoffs. Moving on, a couple guys out of San Jose have been linked to the Hurricanes. An Anthony Duclair, guy that's had injury problems. He is having a down year in terms of his skill level. He's definitely had years in the past where he looked better. Um, With that being said, I don't love the idea of a Duclair. It seems like something the Hurricanes would do. He would bring you third line depth. I don't know where the speed is at. That's been historically one of his strengths. I'm not exactly sure where it's at, as I haven't had a chance to catch a lot of the games this year. It's not a guy that I would be thrilled about if he's super cheap and you're just looking to add depth. I can take it, but not a guy that I'm super thrilled about. His contract is $3 million for just this year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. Another guy that has been kind of linked with a lot of teams, Barabanov, also out of San Jose winger with 2.5 million left on his contract. He is also a UFA after this year. He's had hotter seasons. He was, I believe, 68 games in 2022, 2023 for 47 points. So very solid middle six production. This year has been way slower for him. He's only played 31 games. He's got nine points. That seems like something the Hurricanes would be interested in as a buy low. Let's see if we can plug him in the lineup and get a little added value out of him. Once again, he's probably similar size to a Frank Vitrano. Not in love with the ideas. I don't think he's ultimately a game changer, but it certainly is a move that sounds like the Hurricanes. Call him Blackwell, another guy that's been linked with the Hurricanes. I don't like it like at all to be quite honest with you. Small size center. Um 1.2 million I believe is the contract somewhere in that ballpark. Not a great faceoff guy. Historically he's been kind of he's been a mediocre guy having a down year this year doesn't provide a lot of offense really. Uh, only played 21 games this year. Don't love him. Not my favorite of the mix we've mentioned so far. And now to kind of jump to a list of guys that I think the Canes could seriously target. Um, The first one being an LA Kings player by the name of Philip Deneau. And for me, Philip Deneau, he's 30 years old. He signed through 26, 27. That cap hit is 5.5 million. He would have to be okay with the trade. He's got a no-move clause. So it's you know it's not as likely as you might want it to be, but he's a super serviceable second center. He's probably in the high 40s to mid-50s as a production guy, which is what you like. He's been a Selkie candidate many times. He's having a good offensive year this year, 48 games played, 30 points. Good in the face-off dot uh, uh, above fifty every year of his career, probably more accurately, he's uh, he's close to like a fifty-three, fifty-four percent guy throughout his career. So he matches kind of the Canes' identity. He's going to win in the dots. He provides scoring. He's a two-way center. He's going to match kind of the Canes' philosophy. If he's a guy that's willing to move, Los Angeles might be a team that looks at their roster and is like. We could move some of these 30 plus guys. You're not going to be able to move Kopitar because nobody will be able to find 10 million in space and you're not retaining on Kopitar, most likely. So maybe you move a Deneau. You have a Kopitar. You have a Pierre Luc Dubois already. You have a Quentin Byfield. So even Alex Turcotte. So they have center depth. Maybe they're willing to part with a Philip Deneau. And I think that would be a massive upgrade for the Hurricanes that makes them competitive now and for the next few years. Plus, we know the Canes like the control. Think of it, it's not quite as appetizing as like a Trotec deal as he was a younger guy when we made that addition. But, you know, it's a guy that you don't have to worry about. Once he's done, you maybe extend him as a bottom six player, but... In the next three, this season and the three following seasons, you have a guy that should be able to play as your 2C. It's a guy I'm super interested in. I think the Kane should certainly check in on that. Moving on, we talk about a guy in Arizona, Nick Bustad. Another player that's interesting to me, it depends on where we're looking at, but Nick Bustad, is a guy that's you know 31 years old. He signed for this season and next season at 2.1 million as a cap hit. He's got 27 points through 49 games this year, so solid production. He's uh, around a 50% faceoff guy, so not elite, but at a 2.1 million dollar cap hit, it's acceptable. Probably brings you more than a than a Kokanami right now and probably wouldn't require you to move a Kokoniemi out. He's a big body as well, certainly somebody that might be interesting to the Hurricanes and could potentially be on the market as he's, you know, an older guy on a team that's kind of retooling a little bit. They're still in their youth movement, a team that's got a ton of assets already in terms of prospects and draft capital. So maybe they're looking to add to that. Moving on, we're going to kind of get into the now this is the what dreams are made of section of of the podcast of guys that come in and immediately change your outlook on the hurricane season. And a guy that I really like, the likelihood of him being available is slim to none. It's certainly a guy you go kick the tires on, but a guy like Joel Erickson out in Minnesota Right. That's the likelihood of a guy like that being available is slim, but it depends on what Minnesota is thinking going into the offseason of what their next moves are. It's a guy that certainly requires KK to go as part of the package. You're probably looking at KK, a first round pick, and a prospect, something along those lines. That may be something that Minnesota would be willing to entertain, but you also have to take into account. That Erickson Eck is locked up for the foreseeable future. His contract is over in 2029. It's it's likely a guy that they want to have as a cornerstone of their franchise, but could be someone they're willing to move on from for the right package. Like I said, that could be a that could be a KK, a 2024 first, and something like a Nick Suzuki or a Jameson Reese, or a Vili Koivinen, or somebody like that. Uh, a a prospect with real NHL potential. But a guy that would immediately plug into the Hurricanes, he's kind of what the Hurricanes hope KK can become. KK can still become an Eriksson Eck as he kind of you know, had his renaissance later in his career. I think year, what, maybe five or six was his first kind of big jump year. So... A KK could still likely have that jump at some point, which might make it enticing for Minnesota. Might also make it such that the the Hurricanes want to hold on to him. Moving on, a little more realistic on this one, you could go after Ryan O'Reilly out of Nashville. Bonafide number two center would immediately make this team a much better cup contender, 42 points through 51 games. You've seen it. He's been there. He's won cups. He can still play the big minutes. Think of him as like, you know, he's, I believe 33 years old, not quite as old as Brent Burns, but an older guy that's still got it, has a ton of savvy, solid in the face off dot, really solid player in the face off dot. He's going to be well over 50% for you, and he's going to be able to play in any scenario. This is a guy that's been, you know, he's been on Selkie ballots, Bing ballots, you name it, heart ballots, all of that. A guy with great pedigree, a guy that's locked up. For the next couple of years, I believe, let me pull up what O'Reilly looks like. He's at 4.5 through 26, 27. For a three center, it is a guy that's aging. Or a two center, excuse me. It is a guy that's aging, but you're talking about three and a half years of a guy that hasn't really regressed yet substantially. He's still playing really great hockey. Does have some injury scares in the past, but... With all that being said, it's a guy the Canes have targeted before. It's a guy that definitely would fit in well in the Rod-Brendan Moore system and a guy that would propel the Hurricanes into serious cup contention. We've seen this name thrown around a few times. Moving on to Pavel Buchnevich out of St. Louis. Winger, great scoring ability. We'll see how eager St. Louis is to move on from him. Uh, He's signed this season and next season at 5.8 million at 28 years old. He's in that window to compete for cups. He's an excellent player. Um, I think capped out 21, 22, 76 points, 76 points, no small task, 76 points in 73 games. Followed that with 67 points in 63 games. And this season, he's at 39 through 47. So in the last three seasons, he's close to a point per game. Really talented player. If he stays healthy, stays in the lineup. A guy that can certainly add an offensive element to the Hurricanes and somebody that the Hurricanes have supposedly been interested in. So worth keeping an eye on a Pavel Buchnevich if, if St. Louis does decide to be traders down the road. I don't see a lot of opportunity for the Canes to trade within the Metro. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. One team that I do think you could possibly see a trade done with would be maybe Columbus. They're just in the position where they need young, they need capital, whether it's prospects, draft picks. And I think you could look at a Boone Jenner if he is truly available. He signed through the 25-26 season at $3.75 million. He's certainly a guy... That can play as your 2C. He's obviously has leadership qualities, which makes him the captain of Columbus. Can play the minutes. 18 points in 35 games doesn't blow you away, but he's a 54% faceoff guy, which really matters in the playoffs and matters in general. That could be a, a guy that makes sense for the Hurricanes. When you look at that cap hit, we know how much the Canes like to get guys locked in who have solid cap hits for their position he's 30 years old almost 31 in the well not almost but by the end of the year will be 31 you could get a solid two and a half seasons out of Boone Jenner as your number two center and I would be I would be happy with that personally another guy we're gonna jump to Buffalo Buffalo is a team you'll think there's a good chance they'll move on from some guys. They've got a lot of money tied up already. You've, they've still got this year and three more seasons of Jeff Skinner's $9 million contract. Tage Thompson is locked in for a long time. Dylan Cousins is locked in for a long time. They've got a Peyton Krebs in the system. They've got some of these younger guys. The question will be, are they... Are they thinking that they're gonna resign Casey Middlestat, or are they thinking that that's something where they're not gonna be able to afford it and they need to look other routes? They do have quite a bit of cap space, so they could realistically say, "Hey, we're gonna keep Casey middlestat. We like the player, but you never know so That's somebody, if they decide, hey, we don't think the contract's going to make sense here, it's certainly somebody the Canes could kick tires on. 30 points in 50 games, or excuse me, 42 points in 50 games played this year. Um, Not a great center in terms of faceoffs. He's closer to a 46, 47% guy, which isn't ideal, but he certainly does provide playmaking, a little bit of scoring touch as well. A younger player, out of the ones we've listed might not make the most sense comparatively speaking and Buffalo might not be willing to move the player at all, but a guy I would be happy to welcome onto the hurricanes. And the last name we'll touch on today in terms of acquisitions at the center spot is a guy that the canes are really close to signing and trading for in previous years. Claude Giroux out of Ottawa. Now we know Claude Giroux is an Ottawa boy that's a big reason why he ended up going back there, right? But the team is underperforming, and he's only got this season and next season left on his contract at $6.5 million a year. Another player who's at 42 points through 47 games, elite in the face-off circle, well over 55% on his career, almost 56%, and he's been a 60% guy. Honestly, for the last... I mean, seven, eight seasons, he's been well over 57% every season, upwards of 61%. Elite in the dot. Obviously, a veteran with leadership ability still has it, still is able to produce. It will really boil down to does Ottawa think that they need to recoup assets? Do they think they maybe jump the gun on being playoff contenders? that could change between now and the next month, depending on how the next couple of weeks of their season goes, but they could be looking to move a Claude Giroux of Vladimir Tarasenko. Some of these older guys who they have on contracts that are enticing with the rest of their lineup being pretty young, it would give them an opportunity to reinvest into the future. It may make sense for the organization. It may be hard for them to make a trade for a local guy who you know, came back home and, you know, he's got a no move clause. So it's gotta be somewhere he wants to go. We know that Carolina was one of the teams he looked at seriously and considered it could be an option. He would be an immediate upgrade to the hurricanes. Ottawa looks like they're completely out of the playoff picture. They're 47 games in 42 points. I mean, we're talking well out of, well out of contention at this point Anything can happen. It could change, but in all likelihood, they're not a team that's going to be competing for the playoffs, and that may be a good opportunity to recoup some assets. If we look at what a guy like Monahan went for, and if we look at what Lindholm went for, and what we think a guy like Henrique will go for, Claude Giroux is going for that, if not more. The only knock against him is really his age. So don't be surprised if you see a guy like that, enter the market. And if the canes are extremely interested in him, it's a guy who Rod Moore is obviously showed an affinity for and who the organization have showed an affinity for as well. Those are the names to look at. I know it's a lot of names, but we want to really start boiling down who are some targets for the hurricanes as the weeks pass we'll have a better idea of who are who's going to be sellers and who's not going to be as we get closer to the deadline but those are those are some names that i found to be very intriguing with that being said that is it for the episode upcoming games between now and the next release we've got saturday against the new jersey devils monday the 19th at chicago thursday the 22nd at florida Hopefully we see some good action in those games. Maybe we even see a sneaky Anderson appearance towards the end of that or maybe the following week. So should, it should be leading into what gets to be the busy part of the season. Hope you all enjoyed. I'll catch you next Friday.